Most of us don't go to the doctor until we're sick, but keeping up with well visits can prevent illnesses, and that goes for our kids, too. And joining me today to discuss the importance of well visits, how we can boost immunity in our kids, the COVID-19 vaccine rollout, and more is Dr. Jake Weatherly. He's a pediatrician with Stanford Children's Health. This is Health Talks with Stanford Children's Health. I'm Scott Webb. So, Doctor, thanks so much for your time today. Really appreciate you being on and uh, being the winter season and trying to keep our kiddos healthy. It's a great time to have you on. So let's start here. What can parents do to boost their children's immunity? There are so many things that parents can do to boost their children's immunity during the winter and during the flu season and the pandemic. And the most important way to boost immunity is to prevent being exposed from COVID-19 as we all know. So that means that the tried and true methods that the public health officials are recommending are just as important as they've ever been, and perhaps more so now that we're seeing such a big surge of COVID in so many places across the country. So that means really good hand washing, wearing our mask when we're outside of the home and around people outside our household, trying to stay six feet apart from others who are outside of our household, avoiding large gatherings, and protecting ourselves from transmitting and being exposed to COVID-19 as best as possible. Another super important way to boost kids and families' immunity is to make sure that everyone in the family has gotten their flu shot. So flu shots are for children ages six months and older, and of course for teenagers and adults. Very important to prevent influenza infection during the flu season and prevent the so-called twindemic of influenza and COVID. Parents often ask me about vitamins and supplements that can boost immunity. And there are a few vitamins and supplements that have been shown to maybe reduce the duration of the common cold or prevent a high number of colds during the winter. But it's really important to remember that COVID-19 is not the common cold. And these supplements have not been studied for preventing COVID-19. So supplements like vitamin C may have some benefit at reducing the duration of the common cold. Zinc may actually help decrease the number of colds children get in a season. Echinacea and vitamin D, unfortunately, have not really been found to be helpful in preventing colds. And just important to keep in mind that none of these supplements have been studied for the prevention of COVID-19. Yeah, and I think that uh, one of the things we all know, and and me as a parent as well, and just humans in general, we tend to go to the doctor uh, when we're sick, right? And we tend to avoid going to the doctor a lot of times uh, when we're well. That's right. Yeah, well visits are important, right? So let's go through what are some of the steps, you know, for parents to know uh, when it comes to well visits. Take us through that process. You're right. Well visits are so important for maintaining a child's health, making sure that the child is growing and developing normally and appropriately. Well visits are timed the way that they are because childhood growth and development really is time sensitive and follows a routine and predictable pattern. So pediatricians can pick up on different patterns of growth and development and identify a problem early if there is one 
and start the appropriate evaluation or treatment and therapies that may be needed. I like to think that there are three really simple steps to getting your child their regular well-child checks. It starts with checking if your child is due for their regular well visit. So well visits are quite frequent in the first 18 months of life and typically will be annual starting at age two years. If you're not quite sure when your child's last well visit was, that is okay. That happens all the time. Contact your pediatrician's office. They should be able to tell you if your child is due for a checkup. And while you're talking with your pediatrician's office, if you have questions about what the practice is doing to keep children and families safe during office visits, please ask your questions. We're really taking a lot of measures to keep our patients safe in the office. We're reducing the number of people who are in our offices to allow for social distancing. All of our staff and providers are being screened for possible COVID symptoms. And, and at, at my practice and many of the Stanford children's practices, providers and staff are tested regularly to screen for infection. And so really taking a lot of steps to keep our families, children, and staff healthy during this time. So after you verified if your child is due for their well-child check, step number two is to go ahead and make a mental list or even a written list of questions or concerns before your child's appointment. And that way you can discuss these with your pediatrician. And then number three, very important, is to make it fun. Uh, younger children often feel anxious about going to the doctor and getting shots. So it helps to play with doctor toys before their checkup. I like to play with the stethoscope and the reflex hammer, maybe play with the little plastic injection toys to mimic what it's like to get a shot. There's also a lot of fun picture books about going to the doctor. A really good one is Elmo Goes to the Doctor by Sarah Albee. And a little doctor play can go a long way to easing a child's fears. Yeah, it certainly can. And I have such a big smile on my face right now because you're taking me back to when my kids were little and all the things we used to do to get them ready and kind of calm them down once we got there. And of course, Elmo, who doesn't love Elmo. And uh, you're so right. As the one who you know generally took my kids to the doctor, I would have to make myself a, a list before I would go to make sure that I didn't forget anything because there's nothing worse. You get back in the car and you're like, oh, darn it. I should have asked the doctor about this. And you know, despite COVID, obviously, we don't want to lose sight of well visits and you know the growth milestones and all of that. So, you know, really great advice. And, you know, both of my kids, uh, I made them, if you will, get the flu shot this year. And they were uh, not that happy with me, but they understand. I'm just trying to, you know, protect them. And as you say, we don't want to have the twindemic, the, you know, COVID and the flu. And since we have a vaccine for the flu, why not get it? Uh, but what are some of the concerns that parents should have when it comes to getting a flu shot. You know, one of my kids had no effect. The other one was a little sore, didn't feel well. I tried to explain to him, hey, it's just your body ramping up to fight off the flu. It doesn't give you the flu. So I'll let you, an expert, kind of take us through this. What do we need to know uh, before our kiddos get their flu shots? Yeah, you know, well, I'm so glad to hear that uh, your kids did get their flu shot this season. So good job, Dad. Thank you. You know, the, the flu shot really, it's very safe, uh, very effective. It saves lives. 
And the side effects in taken in context are very minimal compared to the benefit we get from protecting from influenza. The most common side effect of the flu shot, as many have experienced, is some soreness at the injection site. Sometimes that arm will be sore for the day after. Um, some people do get a little bit of kind of feeling um, some malaise and maybe low energy after they get their flu shot. But I like to think of this as actually a, a good thing. And what I mean by that is that it's a sign that the body is revving up the immune system and mounting an immune response to the flu vaccine so that we will be protected from the flu if we're exposed to the real virus. The flu shot has been studied very extensively in healthy children and in children with underlying medical problems. There was actually an interesting study was done in 2017 and published in the journal Pediatrics that showed that the flu shot was effective at reducing mortality from influenza in healthy children and in children with underlying medical problems like heart disease, lung disease, and other conditions that would place them at higher risk for complications from influenza. The flu shot is very safe. It's appropriate for children over six months old. Some parents will ask us if their child can get a flu shot if they have an egg allergy. And the answer is yes. Children with an egg allergy absolutely can get a flu shot. If there are concerns about a history of a serious egg allergy or an allergic reaction with flu vaccines in the past, always a good idea to speak with your pediatrician. But in general, for the great vast majority of children, the flu shot is indicated, safe, and effective. Yeah, definitely. And I've heard anecdotally from doctors that incidents of the flu this year have been really low. And I'm assuming it's a combination of things. More people getting the vaccine, uh, getting vaccinated than perhaps ordinarily would, and also all of the other measures we've been taking due to COVID-19, whether it's face coverings, hand washing, social distancing, and all of that. Is that what you're seeing as the flu incidents been down this year? That's right. That is what I'm seeing. And I'm happy to report that I, too, have not seen many cases of the flu this year. And I think you're absolutely right that a large reason we're not seeing a lot of flu is because so many children and families have taken the flu shot to prevent the twindemic. My practice earlier this year at the beginning months of the flu season set up a tent outside on our patio and we did tons and tons of flu shots. And the vast majority of my patients got their flu shot and fortunately I'm not seeing a lot of influenza infections. As you mentioned, the infection control measures that we've been taking to prevent the spread of COVID seem to also be very effective at preventing other respiratory illnesses like influenza. And I think that this is a, a bright spot in the midst of this pretty dark pandemic that we have been very successful at preventing outbreaks of the flu with the flu shot and infection control measures. 
Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, one of the things I've learned during all of this is just how often we all touch our faces. I, I had no idea before this. I spoke to a doctor says, you know, they asked me, they said, do you realize you touch your face 90 to 100 times a day? Yeah. And I didn't count to prove them right or wrong, but I do find myself, I'm like, why am I touching my face? Do I need to touch my face? Did I wash my hands? Uh, and I think that that's one of the nice things about having a face covering or a mask on in public is that it does sort of prevent you from that natural tendency that we all have of touching our faces, right? Yeah, you know, that's absolutely right. And the face covering, it gives us that reminder that, hey, why am I touching my face? And it's providing protection two ways because the face mask is preventing a person who may have the COVID virus and have minimal or even no symptoms, not realize that they have the virus and it prevents that person from transmitting respiratory droplets to other people. And on the flip side of the coin, the face mask prevents the person wearing it from being exposed to respiratory droplets of other persons around them. So it, um, it turns out it, it really does have quite a few benefits during the pandemic. And I, like so many people, do look forward to the day when we can take our face masks off again. But for now, as we try to reduce the spread of this virus and, and try to really roll out the vaccine, the face masks do provide a, a great layer of protection. Yeah, they definitely do. And as we get close to wrapping up here, let's talk about the vaccine. Uh, maybe sort of the million dollar question for you. But when we talk about the process, the status of kids getting the vaccine, what's your understanding of how that's gonna play out? This is so exciting. The COVID vaccine is rolling out right now to frontline healthcare workers, elderly persons in long-term care facilities. And soon, I believe that soon on the horizon, we will be administering the COVID vaccine to pediatric patients. The CDC and the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices has rolled out a series of phases for delivering the COVID vaccine. And phase 1A is the one we were talking about with healthcare personnel and long-term care facilities. Phase 1B is our great frontline essential workers, firefighters, first responders, police officers, as well as persons aged 75 years and older. And then in phase 1C is where our pediatric patients come into play. So phase 1C includes people aged 16 years to 64 years with underlying medical conditions that would increase their risk of serious COVID-19 infection. So, you know, that, that is phase 1C and that does include our teenagers down to 16 years. So I do think in, in the near future, we will be vaccinating um, pediatric patients. And, and I hope in the near future, we will be vaccinating pediatric patients with underlying medical problems that would predispose them to a serious infection. The COVID vaccine right now is being studied in children all the way down to 12 years old. There are trials that are enrolling children down to 12 years old for the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine. And the American Academy of Pediatrics um, has a frequently asked question webpage 
that they keep updated showing that AstraZeneca now has approval to study their COVID vaccine in children as young as five years old in the UK. So these studies are ongoing. Your pediatrician is a great source of information when we know more about the vaccine in children and when we are ready to begin vaccinating. I could talk to you all day, but I have one last question for you. We don't want to forget about parents in all of this. That's right. Yeah. So what advice do you have for parents, the concerns during the pandemic, and maybe just all of us maybe forgiving ourselves for not always making the most fantastic dinners every night or, you know, making some mistakes or being as confused as our kids are, not having all the answers. I hate to put all this on you, but what advice do you have for parents during the pandemic as we this still rages on uh, for how they can stay mentally and physically well? I am very glad that you asked because the the key to a healthy, happy child oftentimes is healthy, happy parents and caregivers around them. And a parent's well-being is very important for the child's overall health and well-being. You know, like you said, this is a very challenging time. And parents can absolutely have compassion on themselves, cut yourselves some slack, and give yourselves a break for doing the best that we can as parents. Parents are trying to balance their children's physical health, their education and learning, often remotely. Parents are balancing those concerns with um, children's emotional and social well-being. And it really can be more than parents can carry on their own shoulders. So what I say to parents is to enlist our help. Enlist the help of your pediatrician. If you're worried that your, your child is, has been very anxious or seems to be very sad and maybe even having symptoms of depression, please enlist your pediatrician. Seek the advice and help of mental health professionals. Enlist the help of teachers and schools. And we really are all allied in keeping children healthy and keeping them well through these challenging times. You know, also important to remember for parents' own health is to keep up the tried and true methods. Eating three meals a day, drinking plenty of fluids, getting eight hours at least of sleep every night, doing the best that you can with that, getting exercise every day if possible, and getting in the outdoors, and being good to one another and being good to ourselves. That is a great way to end. And you're just so right. You know, we're all in this together and sometimes we need help and there is help out there, whether it's pediatricians or teachers, you know, we're all going to get through this together and we will, we will get through this together. There is light at the end of the tunnel. So Dr. Weatherly, thank you so much for your time today and your compassion and you stay well. Absolutely. For more information on well visits at Stanford Children's Health, visit stanfordchildrens.org. And we hope you found this podcast to be helpful and informative. If you did, please share it on your social channels. And be sure to check out the full podcast library for additional topics of interest to you. This is Health Talks from Stanford Children's Health. I'm Scott Webb. Stay well, and we'll talk again next time.